We are in the series, Casket Empty, our uh, survey of the Old Testament from the book of the same name. Uh, Lake has covered that a couple times in the last couple weeks. Uh, as we saw, when you studying the creation and the beginning of Genesis, uh, God populating the earth. Um, with Adam and Eve, and then with their children, some things went wrong. And uh, as Blake covered, it didn't take very long for things to really go sideways. Within several generations, things got pretty bad. So we see, uh, starting in Genesis 6, that the world is so bad that God is just pretty much fed up. He's like, this creation thing I did, it's, it's a disaster. Um, people are just wicked sin is rampant and this is not what, what I had in, pl- in, in mind and he's just going to destroy it all That's. but luckily we have verse 8 here so you have Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord that's, that's very important so we pick up the story in verse 9 in chapter 6 these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how we are able to make, this is how you are to make it. In the length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to be a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with a low second, with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth shall die and I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kind and the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for the words you give us. We thank you for this message. And most of all, we're thankful for the promises we see contained. Lord, I pray that we can look at the man Noah and find hope for ourselves, find truths. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you just take this time to reveal your words to us. We thank you and praise your name of Jesus. 
Amen. Well, there's a lot here. Uh, we, we, skipping around just a little bit, we talked about this on Thursday. Really, I'm, I'm covering three chapters here, and there's a lot here, a lot of words, and we're not going to read all of it, of course. But I'm kind of skipping mostly of seven and eight because it's the flood story, and I think everyone here probably knows at least a little bit there was some water that happened, or maybe you've heard about this. And we'll get to that a little bit, in a little bit. But what, the two things I really want to focus on, for, uh, the first one is the character of Noah. We see this man, Noah, he just pops up in generation of, of, from Adam, his great, 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 great grandson, something like that. In this world that's completely corrupt, I mean, th- we can't even imagine the kind of depravity that is so bad that God just says, I'm just destroying everything. It says that, even the animals and the earth itself was corrupted by the sin of man. And yet in this atmosphere, everyone where God would look was horrible. Here's this man Noah that found favor in his eyes. He said he was a good man. Not perfect, but he was a godly man. He was considered righteous. So why was he considered righteous? Well, obviously, we don't know the whole story of why he did early on, but to be considered righteous, he probably did, as our first song called, call upon the Lord. He prayed, he made offerings, he worshipped the Lord. But the most important thing, though, we have to take from the character of Noah is that he trusted the Lord. When God spoke, he listened to his voice. And nowhere here does he say, no, I can't do this. Nowhere does he say, it hasn't rained in generations. This isn't going to happen. Nowhere does he say, how am I supposed to wrangle up all these animals? Nowhere does he say, God, what is a cubit? But he trusts God. Unlike uh, his ancestors, Adam and Eve, who were lived with God, they, I mean, they, they walked with him. And he had these words, and yet they, it took so little time for them to, to not do as he was told. Noah, he believed and obeyed. And by faith, not by sight, because he hadn't seen it at the range yet, he started building the ark. He started building this thing. In Hebrews, we see this mentioned. author of Hebrews says it like this, by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Before he even saw the rain, before he even saw the clouds, he trusted. He listened to that voice of God and he acted. And the words here says, condemn the world. Yes, that all the people around him died and were punished because God is righteous. God is the right judge. But he also saved the world. We're all descendants of of Noah and his family because of that. Because of Noah's faith, others were saved. Last week, I had a little silly moment. I thought it was silly. Maybe you guys didn't. 
we're doing, the clo we're doing a closing song, and, and for those who are here might remember, I, I had some bread stuck in my teeth. <laughs> and I felt this little nudge of God saying, say something about that. None of you who are here would have known that in my mind, time froze. I stepped back for myself and I had a little conversation with God. God, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Nobody cares about my little story, my little thing, or the thoughts that in my head. I still felt this little nudge of God, say something. And so I shared it. It's the same story that, uh, that uh, Blake has uh, said he's, he's shared many times. The idea that the bread gets stuck in our teeth and it reminds us to stick to God that he stays with us. I hope somebody heard that and was encouraged by it. But I was uh, glad of myself because I trusted. I didn't necessarily understand it. It may not have been anything earth-shattering, but God nudged me, and I moved. Do you guys ever feel that nudge? Sometimes it's a voice. Sometimes it's a loud voice. Sometimes it's a little whisper, and sometimes it's just a nudge. But by faith, if we move on those times, sometimes the little things, sometimes it's just a little encouragement. Sometimes it's just a little break in songs. But also, sometimes God is testing you to see, are you ready for something big? We don't know the whole relationship of God and Noah. It's very possible that before this story happens, there were times when God nudged Noah to see, he'd see if, is he going to move? And if he was a man that was righteous, a man who walked with God, as I was described, I think we can believe and see, and see that, that there were times like that. And most likely, Noah rose to those occasions. He spoke the words. He did the action. He moved where God told him to move. So when God was ready for a really big moving, he knew who to go to. He knew he could count on Noah. This is the character of, of Noah. He was righteous. Not blameless, not sinless, sinning to come to the world. He was a sinful man, but he chose to, unlike everyone else, to not embrace that sinfulness, but instead embrace righteousness and to trust God. And I think we should all look at that and try to uh, emulate that a little bit if we can. So... Time goes by, many years goes by, and this giant ark, probably people around are laughing at him, like, what are, you, what are you doing? But then the clouds come in, and it starts raining. And then the great flood, the deluge, for you King James type people. And the rain comes down, and just as God promised, he destroys the world. Important things to take away from the flood is that uh, while God was judging sin and judging the earth, he also made a way for salvation by creating the ark. That's, that's how good God is. That's how loving he is. Noah saved God by grace and mercy. And through Noah's obedience and God's command and trust in him, The earth was saved. It was condemned, but it was also saved. This is a perfect analogy uh, for the way that we as sinners can be saved by simply obeying God, by trusting in Him. 
and believing in the gospel and the, the, the new covenant, salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Beautiful story. As for the flood, um, there are ideas and contentions of what the exact meaning is and such, and uh, we're not going to go into that. We talked a little bit of that on Thursday. Um, I believe it is the historical fact, uh, partially because there are many, many other versions of the story throughout history, throughout other uh, religions, throughout other mythologies. Over 300 different flood stories in different cultures throughout the world, and the entire world, not just in the Mesopotamian area. As far as Mexico and China, Japan, have stories of flooding of the earth. Some people have looked at that and said, oh, I see, it's just a made-up story. I believe, I hope you believe as well, that it's just affirming this truth. Maybe it's just in different ways. We also believe that it's a historical fact because New Testament writers speak of this as that. We believe that they were led by the Holy Spirit to say something. They wouldn't say it was true if it wasn't. Uh, Hebrews, of course, they re refers to it, the, the author of Hebrews. Peter references them twice. And even Jesus speaks of Noah as an absolute fact. And if he would do that, then I think we can firmly believe that Noah happened. Now, was this a full global flood? We talked about it a little bit this morning. Was it a full global flood? Was it a regional flood? I'm not sure that really matters. We don't really know. We have evidence one way or the other. The important thing to take away from this is God did hold to his word, and he destroyed mankind, all but these people. I think we can take that as, uh, as fact. Um, so in chapter 6, and then coming into 7 and 8, we see that God is the judge of the world. But then when we get to the end of the flood, and uh, Noah and his family, uh, they did the math somewhere around here. Uh, I'm terrible at math, but I read this. That they were, from the beginning to end, from the doors closed, doors open, they're in the flood for an entire year and 17 days. I don't know you guys, but I'm not sure I could take 17 days locked in a boat with my family, let alone a year and 17 days. Talk about grace. Uh, yeah. but after that fact, then uh, the waters do recede. The, ground, the earth is renewed. And we see God not as a judge, but as provider. He makes a provision through grace for his children. God was willing to sacrifice the entire creation of the world to rid it of corruption. In the same way, we know that he sacrificed the most important thing to him, his very son, so that we may have a way to rid ourselves of corruption and to save us from sin. So this leads us to God's promise. God has a lot of promises. We've seen different promises throughout the Bible. There are many covenant relationships that he says, but... We're going to focus on particularly the, this, the promise in passage chapter 8. I'm going to pick up the story here in chapter 8, verse 20. This is after the, the flood has receded. They come out. They see this is great. And this is what's the first thing that the man of righteousness, the man of God, Noah does. He builds an altar to the Lord. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of, the, of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. 
offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again, ever, neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, day and night, shall never cease. The flood has not eradicated sin. Sin still exists. It existed then and it existed today. We see a little later even Noah has some slip-ups. But he gave it a, good, a new start. And even though he could look forward to the future and see things would probably go a little dark again later on, he makes this promise that he's never going to destroy the earth again. This is the promise of God. My uh, working title for this uh, sermon was The Tale of Two Covenants. The first covenant they, God made with Noah was, if you are faithful and build this ark, I will save you. And this covenant was time-sensitive. Noah did, he was saved, it was done. But the second covenant, this is timeless. God starts over with Noah's family. He, with Adam and Eve, all of his, their children, things didn't work out well, we're going to start over. And God reissues the creation blessing to Noah and his sons. Chapter 9. And he makes a covenant with Noah and all flesh, promising that he'll never again send the flood. Now until the end of times will he destroy the world. So he had to find a new way through to help their salvation, and this leads to grace. But we see this in chapter 9, starting in verse 8. We're going to skip ahead a little bit. So then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offsprings after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds and the livestock and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off from the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on earth. We have Noah covenant that he will not send a flood again. And he has this rainbow that is the sign. I'm sure it's purely coincidental, or maybe it's not, that we don't believe in coincidences. But it seems like many times, especially the times I really need it, we look out our front window over the golf course where we live, and there's a rainbow. Seems when so many times there, just stand there. And when I see that, I'm reminded of God's promise. 
Not just that he won't destroy us again, but that he wants us to live abundant life, blessed life. This covenant that God makes, it is a little different than the covenant previously in Genesis 6. That covenant was conditional. Noah had to act. If Noah didn't build the ark, he wouldn't have been saved. But this covenant is completely and absolutely unconditional. The covenant regarding the safety of Noah and those with him through the impending uh, flood, his promise of protection, goes throughout all generations, promise that he will not judge us. And this covenant never ends. Even at times when it seems dark and times when it feels like God has turned away, it's still there. Centuries later, when the children of, of Israel are taken away into exile, they feel like God has abandoned them. He hasn't. He's still there. In Isaiah, we read, Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You'll remember no more. For the maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. The Lord has called you like a wife, deserted and grieved in spirit. Like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment, I deserted you. But with great compassion, I will gather you. In overflowing anger, for a moment, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. But my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. This covenant of peace never ends. So I want to go with this. Think about Noah, the character of Noah. How can we be more like that? How can we trust God? When we hear his voice, are we willing to move, even if it means being ridiculed? When we feel that nudge of God, are we willing to speak, even if it makes no sense? We must be to listen to God and trust in him. This is what we learned from Noah. Maybe he won't save the entire world through your actions, but 
He does have work for every one of us. You just have to listen. Also, in the same way, we need to trust and believe in God's promise. His promise of grace, his promise of peace. Not only will he not destroy us, but also that he's got life abundant for us. We have that abundant, great life through Jesus Christ. Romans read, For the promise of Abraham and his offspring, that he would be heir of the world, did not come through law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs. Faith is null and promise is void. For the law brings wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise might rest of grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the ones who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And in Ephesians we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So seek after God's faith. His promises are true. If we just listen to him, he'll help us see those things. Believe in God's promise. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for this time. We're thankful for the words that you've given me to share. Lord, I pray that you do help us become more like Noah, believing in you, walking with you, that we can be called righteous. And Lord, we are thankful that even if we stumble and fall, your promise of grace is still there. Lord, I pray that uh, you send remembrances in our lives, whether it be a rainbow in the sky friends and family be an encouraging word or it's the moon laughter of children whatever it may be Lord that, that that little thing that each individual of us can see or hear or experience that reminds us that you love us that you want abundant life for us and that all your promises are true but we hold fast to that. We pray that uh, this week continues, that we see those moments, that we listen for your voice, and we just will try to walk with you. So thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.